Good morning and welcome to Simply Science. It's Sunday, January 21st. On today's show, long COVID signatures are identified in a huge analysis of blood proteins, and new algae species rewrite scientists' understanding of reef systems. Plus, we explore the concept of biomimicry and how nature inspires science. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Science. We start off with a significant development in the field of COVID-19 research. Researchers have created a computational model that predicts the likelihood of a person developing long COVID based on an analysis of over 6,500 proteins found in blood. The team compared blood samples from COVID-19 positive individuals with healthy adults and found notable differences in protein composition among those with long COVID, those who recovered, and those never infected. Here to delve deeper into this is our health correspondent, Celeste. Celeste, can you tell us more about these findings and their significance? Absolutely, David. This study published in Science suggests that proteins involved in immune responses, blood clotting, and inflammation could be key biomarkers in diagnosing and monitoring long COVID, a condition affecting an estimated 65 million people worldwide. Long COVID has been linked to over 200 symptoms, including brain fog, fatigue, chest pain, and breathlessness, which can persist for months or even years after a SARS-CoV-2 infection. Can you tell us more about the participants of the study and the differences found in their blood samples? The study included 39 healthy adults and 113 people who had tested positive for COVID-19, of whom 40 had long COVID. The researchers analyzed 6,596 proteins across 268 blood samples. They found several differences in the blood of people with long COVID compared with those without it, including an imbalance in proteins involved in blood clotting and inflammation. People with long COVID had lower levels of a protein called antithrombin-3, which helps prevent blood clots, and higher levels of proteins associated with clot formation. What does this mean in terms of the symptoms of long COVID? The researchers found that the expression of a protein called CD41 on white blood cells was highest in people who had 12-month-long COVID. CD41 is typically found on platelets, which are involved in clotting, and its presence on white blood cells indicates abnormal clumping of these cells. This could contribute to the formation of microclots, which some scientists believe could be the cause of some long COVID symptoms by blocking oxygen flow to tissues. How does this research contribute to our understanding of long COVID and its potential treatment? This study provides valuable insights into the biological mechanisms underlying long COVID, which could pave the way for developing targeted therapies. However, it's important to note that the study involved a relatively small number of participants and does not pinpoint the root cause of the condition. As long COVID involves a range of symptoms, there are likely to be several underlying causes that affect people differently. Larger studies are needed to fully understand this complex syndrome. How did the researchers use these findings to predict the likelihood of a person developing long COVID? Using machine learning, the researchers created a model to predict whether a participant would develop long COVID based on the protein levels in their blood, along with other factors such as age and body mass index. 
when applied to a separate data set, the model performed well in predicting which participants would have 12-month-long COVID. This could potentially help in early identification and management of individuals at risk of developing long COVID. That was our health correspondent, Celeste. Thank you for shedding light on this important research into long COVID. In a groundbreaking discovery, an international team of marine scientists has identified and officially named four species of algae new to science within the world-renowned Great Barrier Reef and unique reef systems of the Coral Sea and Lord Howe Island. This discovery challenges previous taxonomical assumptions within the Poralithon genus and has far-reaching implications for our understanding of the ecological role of these algae in the coral reef ecosystem. Here to discuss more on this is our marine biology correspondent, James. James, can you tell us more about the ecological importance of these newly discovered algae? Absolutely, David. The genus Porolithon, a type of crustose coralline algae, has been long recognized for its crucial ecological significance. These algae are responsible for cementing the delicate frameworks of coral reefs, sustaining marine biodiversity in the shallow margins of tropical and subtropical waters. Traditionally, branched porolithon specimens found in the Indo-Pacific Ocean were identified as porolithon gardineri, while the massive, columnar forms were known as P. craspedium. However, this recent study revealed that neither P. gardineri nor P. craspedium was present in the eastern Australian waters. Instead, these specimens belong to four distinct genetic lineages. That's fascinating. Can you tell us more about these new species and their unique characteristics? Certainly, David. The four newly discovered species have been officially named Porolithon lobulatum, Porolithon parvulum, Porolithon pinaculum, and Porolithon hauensis. Each of these species has unique characteristics and can be distinguished based on a combination of features, including their thallus growth form, margin shape, and internal anatomy. For instance, Porolithon lobulatum has branched forms and lobed free margins, and is found in the Coral Sea and on the Great Barrier Reef. On the other hand, Porolithon pinaculum exhibits a mountain-like columnar morphology with specimens up to 10 centimeters tall and occurs on oceanic coral sea reefs. What does this discovery mean for our understanding of the algae within the Porolithon genus and the conservation of the Great Barrier Reef? This discovery challenges our understanding of the algae within the Porolithon genus, emphasizing the need for further exploration and conservation of the Great Barrier Reef and its unique inhabitants. Porolithon species are very sensitive to the impacts of ocean acidification and warming, and it is urgent that we recognize and document this diversity, given the potential risks of losing this diversity to climate change. As Associate Professor Diaz Polido, the leader of the research team, put it, we can't protect what we don't know. These findings are crucial for preserving and protecting the delicate balance of this unique and fragile ecosystem. Indeed, it's a significant discovery with far-reaching implications. That was our marine biology correspondent, James. Thank you for shedding light on this important research. In the world of science and engineering, inspiration can come from many sources, and one of the most fascinating sources is nature itself. This process, known as biomimicry, involves taking cues from nature to solve complex problems. Here to delve deeper into this intriguing concept is our science correspondent, Arnold. Arnold, could you explain more about biomimicry? Certainly, David. 
Biomimicry is essentially the art and science of observing nature and its functions, and then imitating or taking inspiration from these designs and processes to solve human problems. It's a multidisciplinary approach that bridges the gap between biology and technology. Could you give us some examples of how biomimicry has been used in practical applications? Absolutely. There are numerous examples of biomimicry in our everyday life. For instance, the design of wind turbines was inspired by the fins of humpback whales. These fins have unique bumps called tubercles that reduce drag and increase lift, which engineers have applied to the design of wind turbine blades to make them more efficient. Similarly, the design of bullet trains is inspired by the beak of the kingfisher bird, which allows the bird to dive into water with minimal splash. This design was incorporated into the trains to reduce the noise they made when entering tunnels. That's fascinating. Are there any other examples you could share with us? Yes, indeed. The ventilation systems used in tall buildings are inspired by termite mounds. Termites are able to maintain a constant temperature in their mounds through a complex system of tunnels and vents, a concept that has been applied to modern architecture to improve energy efficiency. And of course, the design of airplanes is inspired by the body structure of birds, a classic example of biomimicry. It's amazing how nature can provide solutions to complex engineering problems. What can we learn from this approach? Nature has had billions of years to perfect its designs and processes, so it makes sense to learn from it. Biomimicry teaches us to observe and respect nature. It encourages us to look for sustainable solutions that are in harmony with the natural world. It's not just about finding inspiration for design or engineering, but also about understanding how we can live more sustainably and in tune with our environment. That's a profound thought. Thank you, Arnold, for sharing your insights on biomimicry and how nature continues to inspire science and engineering. Now, let's shift our focus to the annual Lindau Nobel Laureate meeting in Lindau, Germany, where early career researchers from around the world gathered to interact with Nobel laureates. The theme for 2023 was physiology and medicine. And at the event, four female researchers from three different countries shared their career hopes and challenges. They highlighted issues such as career uncertainty, financial and time pressures, and the importance of mental health. Here to discuss more on this is our science correspondent, Bella. Bella, can you tell us more about these researchers and their concerns? Certainly, David. The first researcher, Ifra Abdullahi, a child development and early intervention autism research fellow at La Trobe University in Melbourne, Australia, expressed concern about the turbulent funding system. She pointed out how early career researchers often have to bounce from contract to contract which can be challenging when trying to make significant life decisions like having children or getting a mortgage. Abdullahi also highlighted the drop-off in women remaining in academia post-PhD and the lack of support during crucial decision-making periods. It's interesting to see how these challenges are not just about the work itself, but also about the system and the environment. What about the other researchers? Piper Rotting, a pharmaceutical sciences PhD candidate at the University of Wisconsin-Madison emphasized the importance of mental health. She noted that many researchers struggle with their well-being and mental health due to the cutthroat atmosphere and narrow path to success in science and engineering. 
She suggested developing a support network and combating the stigma around mental health problems. That's a crucial point. Mental health is often overlooked in high-pressure environments. What about the other researchers? Cottrell Tamasar, a reproductive biology PhD candidate at the University of Newcastle and the Hunter Medical Research Institute in Newcastle, Australia, spoke about the leaky pipeline in academia. She pointed out the lack of job security and the stigma associated with not being able to make it in academia. She suggested broadening definitions of success beyond a conventional academic path and fostering more synergy between universities and industry. And the final researcher. Prakriti Gupta, a pediatric critical care specialist studying multi-organ dysfunction at the All India Institute of Medical Sciences in Patna, India, is at a crossroads in her career. She loves working both benchside and bedside, but there's no formal infrastructure for her to train as a physician scientist in India. She's considering whether to stay in her country and continue as a clinician or to move abroad to pursue basic research. She's grappling with the decision of where she can make the most significant impact. These insights certainly highlight the diverse challenges faced by early career researchers. That was our Simply Science correspondent, Bella. Thank you for shedding light on this important issue. All right, that wraps up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Science. We'll see you back here tomorrow.